The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. Now, I know I'm probably not alone in, in this observation, but like, it is a funny world that we live in today where being a social media influencer, it can be a full-time job. Is that just odd to anybody else? Like, wow, that's like something that people do, right? But at the same time, it's not really surprising to me, right? Like somebody's like, I mean, I love to be able to influence people because let's be honest, we all think that we have, you know, like the corner market on information on any particular thing. We all love influence and we all love getting paid, like, right, <laughs> to be influential. That sounds like a fantastic job. So it, it comes as no surprise that that's a thing because we do love influence. And let's be honest too, don't we all feel like we ought to have a little bit more influence even than we do? Like we love, we love to have influence. We love to have our opinion count and be listened to. And to be honest, as followers of Jesus, aren't we called in some ways to be people of influence, right? It, it, it's it's kind of hard to walk out the Great Commission without a little bit of influence, right? If we're called to go make disciples, which is then defined by teaching people to obey everything that Christ commands you, have you ever tried to teach somebody to obey Jesus if you have zero influence in their life? Doesn't really work, does it? So, so we are, in, in, in some ways, called to lives of influence, you know? And uh, so we're going to look at Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up right there. We're going to pick up and kind of look at the exact same story as we looked at last week, but from a slightly different slant. I'd encourage you, if you missed last week, go online. Uh, you can go to our YouTube. You can go to any podcast um, platform. You can find us. Um, but check it out. We, we told the story of Stephen through the perspective of his opposition. Today, we're going to look a little bit more at Stephen and at his influence. Now, think about this. Stephen, Stephen's influence, I believe, what we find here in Acts chapter 6, 7, and then what flips over into Acts chapter 8, is the birthplace of global missions. Right? You might look at Acts chapter 2. We, okay, that's the birth of the church. Obviously, the Holy Spirit comes, and boom, 3,000 people are saved in one day. It's awesome. But what we see happening in Acts chapter 7, really, that kind of transitions into Acts chapter 8, is we begin to see the birthplace of the church moving out and, and, and going into all the world like Jesus told them to do. So here's what happened. Stephen, right, just catches all up. He stood before the mall. He's arrested. He's doing his job. He's, he's, he's ministering to widows. Uh, miraculous things are happening by him. He, he, miraculous signs. We don't have much more than that, but based on what we see in Scripture, most likely like supernatural kind of healings are taking place. And, and he's just doing his thing, and he gets arrested for it. And he stands here before some of the most powerful men in the nation, powerful men in Israel, as he stands before the Sanhedrin, and he boldly declares that Jesus is the Messiah. They kill him, and when they do, the church explodes in ways that it's never gone forward before. That's influence. Now, 
we don't even know that he made a single convert. It's kind of crazy, right? I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he led people to Jesus. And probably, we could probably assume that there's a good chance that he had. But we have no signs, no evidence whatsoever that he made any converts, and yet the, he accelerated the gospel faster and farther than the church had ever seen. His boldness, his influence, changed the course of history. Right, so sure, yes, you could go to get a degree in some kind of social influencing today, okay? But that's not really the kind of influencing we're talking about, is it? Like, how do I get, right? If this is the life that Stephen lived, like, like his boldness, his influencing the, the, the world that he was in changed the course of the world. How, how do I get that kind of influence? How do I get that kind of world-changing spiritual influence? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're, we're going to look at we're going to look at four characteristics of an influencer. Now, here's the deal: if you were to Google search how to become an influencer, I did it this week. You will get dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of pages of links to be an influencer. In fact, the first page on Google had like seven ways to be an influencer, 11 ways to be an influencer, 10 ways to be an influencer, 19 ways to be an influencer. So depending on how many ways you want to try, there's ways, except here's the deal. Like the wisdom of God is different than the wisdom of the world. Have you guys noticed that before? And so there are some probably, you could read all of those articles, you'd probably find a tip or two that could probably translate into our spiritual lives, I'm sure. However, I want to look at the life of somebody who is truly a world changer, who is truly somebody who had incredible influence, that, that was the catalyst, his life, his ministry was the catalyst for the expansion of the church in ways that the church up until that time had never seen before. So, Characteristics of an influencer. Number one, number one characteristic of an influencer, they pursue serving over influencing. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Like one of the things that, that you got to put, if you want to be an influencer, right, you have to put yourself out there, don't you? You have to be super assertive. You've got to go into the most crowded places. You've got, to, you've got to pursue, chase down, hunt down the most influence you can possibly get. And yet, when I read the word of God, the, most, the, the, the best way to position yourself to be the type of influencer that God is looking for is to not pursue, pursue influencing at all, but rather to pursue serving. It's this, this upside down kind of kingdom. Right? He says, who, the greatest is going to be the servant of all. Jesus said, hey, there was nobody greater than John the Baptist. Oh, but anybody who comes to, the, comes to God like a child, they're all greater than John the Baptist. What does that even mean? How, that doesn't even make any sense. He's like, well, Jesus likes us when we come as servants. That's what he's looking for. You know, it, it's, it's easy, and, and, and you hear this sometimes when, when you read this story, like, look at the boldness of Stephen. I, I, want, I want that kind of boldness. I want that world-changing boldness look. And, he, and what we tend to do is like, look at this thing, and we want to go storm the gates of whatever gates we're storming, and we're going to do it in the name of the boldness of Stephen. But if you were to step back for just a moment and look at how Stephen got an audience with the Sanhedrin, how did he get there? He faithfully ran a soup kitchen. 
that, that's it. He faithfully ran a soup kitchen. And, and, and there's a verse in there in Acts chapter 6. It says this. This is what they were looking for. Do you remember what happened before, like the first few verses of, of Acts chapter 6? and they're, they, they, The widows needed to, be, needed to be served, and they appointed some men. This is what they're looking for, men full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And then they found these seven guys, and one of them was Stephen. It says that, and they chose Stephen, a man, even though they're looking for full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Here was Stephen's like defining characteristics, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And then it lists the other guys there. To do what? To serve widows. Man's wisdom says that let me leverage everything for influence. Right? Isn't that kind of like sum up a lot of the world's wisdom? If you want people to listen to you, you want to be able to bring about change, what, you need to find every possible way to leverage everything that you have to get a voice. And Stephen didn't do that. And in fact, you, you, you look at the teachings of Jesus and he didn't tell us to do that. In fact, he, he probably went the opposite direction and said, I want you to leverage everything you have to serve people. You, you see, influencers in general in the world's wisdom leverage everything for influence, but God's influencers leverage everything to serve. I, I, think, I think Stephen lived out the, the, the illustration that Jesus gave of the talents. In fact, he gave a variety of, of parables along this kind of same line. You guys know how it goes, right? There are these, these guys that you're just given a certain amount of money and one gave a little bit, he buried it, and the other ones had certain money and they invested it and they made more. And what is the, what is the outcome? What does Jesus says? If you're faithful with a little bit, God will give you more, Right? Some of us are, are so busy chasing more. We're so busy, like we're not content with, with the opportunities that I have in front of me now. I'm not content with, with, with the, the areas of influence, the opportunities to serve that I have now. So I'm always chasing a little bit more because I need, I need to get more influence. I need, God has called me to be a world changer. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep, time out. Listen, God said this, just, just serve well where you are today. Listen, do you want the influence that you've made for yourself? Or are you patient enough to serve where God has placed you so that in God's timing, you can walk through the doors of influence that he opens, not that you busted down? Which way do you think is going to ultimately make a greater influence for the kingdom of God. Now, lest you think I'm saying sit down and watch life happen in front of you, I'm not. Because when that door opens, we're called to boldly walk through it. You see, Stephen, this is, Stephen was, was serving widows. He's bringing food to them. And the most logical explanation here is it says he was a man of grace and power. It says that, that he performed, verse 8, great wonders and signs among the people. So he wasn't a traveling evangelist. He wasn't like some others, like Peter would go out and just walk through the streets. and try. Like, I believe this is what happened. I believe he was doing food pantry because that's, well, that's what his job was. And he was taking a meal to a widow and he'd 
bring the food in and lay the groceries on the table and put them away in the cabinets. And, and then she would say, and he'd say, hey, can I pray for you? And she'd say, I got this ailment. And he'd say, can I pray? And he puts his hand on her and the ailment's gone. I'm sure word began to spread. Ooh, I want Stephen to deliver my food today. <laughs> but see, he was faithful doing what God had called him to do, but he was led by the Spirit's power and unafraid to walk in boldness and faith at the opportunities that God brought to him. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't have to be either or. Either or. God will bring opportunities our way as we're faithful to serve in the little things. The number one, number one characteristic of an influencer, of God's kind of influencer, is they pursue serving over influencing. It doesn't mean completely instead of, because they'll walk through the influence door when, it's get, when it opens, when God opens it. Number two, they are full of the Holy Spirit. So here's this phrase. We're gonna, I know we've been looking at six and seven, but here's this phrase in verse six that I just think is so, so good. It says this, they chose Stephen, and this is the description, full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then there's this, there's this verse down in, in, in verse eight, okay? So that was just a, a quick description when he's listed in all the list of the people who are serving, in, uh, serving the widows. And then they begin the story with this. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. So here's two descriptions of him. Full of faith, full of Holy Spirit. And the second one, full of God's grace and full of power. So we're gonna look at those. But first, I just wanna look at this, this, this one here in verse five. They are full of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting to me that I am sure that even just in a group this size, there are some that when you hear that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind is Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. When you hear that, that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, instantly you hear supernatural signs and spiritual gifts, right? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and these signs and wonders were happening, right? We look, we look at Acts chapter two and, and the miraculous is taking place. We look at uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. God put grace on their lives to work in these supernatural gifts. And there's, there's, there's prophecy and word of wisdom and word of knowledge and speaking in tongues and healings and all these miraculous things. Then there's others that you hear that, that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit and your mind instantly goes to, to passages like Romans 8 or Galatians 5, where, where Paul begins to explain being full of the Holy Spirit is, is in contrast to live a life full of the flesh. And that if we live by the Spirit, it, it does things in us like Galatians 5 says. Instead of living this lifestyle of the world, we live a lifestyle full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You, your mind goes to things like Romans 8, where, where it, it contrasts what the lifestyle of somebody who lives by the Spirit looks like versus the lifestyle of somebody who lives according to uh, the flesh versus according to the, the Spirit, right? So which, which one is more accurate? Well, that's silly. They're all in the Scripture. I believe when it says that, Paul, that, the, that, that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit— I don't think they were just saying that because God gave him this gift of, of, of performing miraculous signs. In fact, one of the criterias of the seven that were, that were being uh, invited into this food ministry, this distribu distribution of food to the, the widows, was that they were full of wisdom and that they were full of the Holy Spirit. All seven of them were full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and he performed miracles. We've talked about this recently. I don't know why God gives some gifts to one and, and other gifts 
to others, but he does. This is what I believe. But I believe regardless of what it looks like on the exterior, the Holy Spirit, listen, what does what Acts 1.8 say? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, God does things. And sometimes it's supernatural. And sometimes it's like supernatural. Right? And, and, and whether or not, whatever that looks like, guess what? That, that needs to be okay with us. God wants to use some of you to perform supernatural things. God has a, the gift of healing on some of you. And he has the gift of just words of wisdom that, that God just gives you something for somebody else. And as soon as you say it, that resonates in the spirit of the other person. And you're just like, how would you even know that? God gives a variety of gifts to his church. But you know what else it also means that Paul was full of the Holy Spirit? It also means that when Paul was full of the Holy Spirit, it means that he walked according to the Spirit. This, this, this separation from the, like this, the miraculous and the gifts and the, the, the lifestyle that accompanies one that, that, that walks in the Holy Spirit, friends, that, that, is, that, that starts getting in some dangerous theology. We cannot compartmentalize these things. If we want the fullness of the Holy Spirit and, and we want all the power, but we're not willing to address issues in our own lives, friends, we're gonna be like struggling and probably hurting people. Paul says, Stephen, one of the characteristics of an influencer is that he was full of the Holy Spirit, meaning that he was open to God working through him in the natural and supernatural ways, and that his lifestyle was aligned with the character of Christ. Number one, they pursued serving over influencing. Number two, they are full of the Holy Spirit. Next characteristic of an influencer, they're also full of faith, right? That's what it says. He was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, in order to get this, like he uses this word full a lot in this chapter. I don't know if you noticed this, right? Full of uh, wisdom and the Holy Spirit, full of uh, the Holy Spirit and faith, full of grace and power. They use this full of. And so I think sometimes we use that, that word full of in these type of con text and, and we don't grasp it fully. But we, we do understand it. Maybe we're more familiar with it in the way that it's used in a negative connotation, probably just because it's a little bit more common, okay? Things like they were just full of sorrow. You ever experienced that? Can you picture somebody in your head right now who's just full of sorrow? Like I've been sorrowful before, but somebody who, who suffered loss and you'd use that phrase full of sorrow. What, is, what does that mean? What is the picture in your head? You instantly begin to see this this picture of like uh, their, their countenance on their face changes reflects that sorrow. Their, their posture even reflects sorrow. Their, their, their thoughts, their, their, their attitudes, their behaviors, all these things. Are, what does it mean? It means that they've, there's an element of, of this thing, sorrow, that has a controlling aspect in their lives. It's often what we mean when we say full of, right? Think about anger. A person, I can get angry sometimes, but full of anger, right? It affects countenance and posture and thoughts and attitudes and behaviors. Despair. 
when you're full of despair, you, you can see it on their face. You can see it in their posture, their thoughts, their attitudes, their behaviors. When we use that phrase full of, oftentimes what we're saying is there's a controlling element in their life, right? Like so if on, a, on a scale of anger to, I don't know what would be on the other side of anger, joy probably, right? When you're saying I'm full of anger, what I'm saying is I have cut joy off entirely and given myself fully over to anger and it begins to control me. The same thing happens on the other end of the scale and we'd say that person is full of joy. So now let me think about, now let us think about it this way. When it says Stephen was full of faith. That if we got faith on one side and we've got doubt on the other, you know, I, I, I would say that most of us live somewhere in between one of the extreme uh, landing points, right? Full of faith. We all want to say, I'm full of faith. But then you go like, because I, I believe that Jesus is God. Hey, great. But then there's this doubt. But then you're like, he was so full of faith. There was no room for doubt at all. What is, what is, what is uh, Hebrews 11.1? 1? How does it define faith? Faith is the confidence in things hoped for and the assurance of things not yet seen. I believe in God. I'm full of faith. Here's the interesting thing about, about faith is the confidence and the assurance. Now, now, here's what catches us up sometimes is what is the object of our confidence and our assurance? Sometimes, sometimes the object of our, 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 our uh, confidence and assurance is not necessarily God, but rather what God is going to do for me. And that's where faith can sometimes, no, I get it. Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea and you've got a little bit of faith, then it's going to be done for you. I, I get it. He said greater things that you're going to do than me. God has things. If we walk in his full of his Holy Spirit, God's going to lead us into some pretty cool things. But the ultimate object of their faith is not in the hand of God, but rather the person of God. Think about it. Out of the 12 from what we know of tradition and the writings even outside of the Bible, we know that 11 out of 12 of them were executed, right? Where's their faith? Shouldn't they have had faith to not be executed? But their faith wasn't dependent on what they wanted God to do for them, but their faith, their, their confidence and their assurance was in who God is and the goodness of God regardless of what happens to them. So you could put it this way. Faith is, is, is that, being full of faith is a complete absence of doubt. In, in other words, it's this. It's fully trust my life in the hands of God. Right? And that's where, ooh, am I full of faith? Like, fully trust my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust my life in the hands of God. Yeah, that's me. I fully trust my life in the hands of God. And yet I feel the Holy Spirit say, I want you to have a conversation with that person about faith. And you're just like, yeah, but what about, ooh, right there, you've not trusted that aspect of your life into the hands of God. You feel God saying, I want you to give financially towards this. And you're like, oh, I've got so much faith. But you know, God, what happens is I begin to take one step away from full faith and I begin to need to control the outcomes of certain aspects of my life. Any aspect of your life that you need to maintain control of is an aspect of life that you're not walking in faith. Stephen was a man full of faith. 
which meant this. In fact, every martyr who's ever lived, I would say, would fit in this category. They took their hands off their life to the degree that it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm going to trust my life in the hands of God. This is a characteristic that we see in all of the martyrs who said, I will stand boldly, not because I have faith that like you're going to get saved even, not because I have faith that God is going to protect me from getting hurt, not because I have faith that God is going to create a circumstance that is going to be pleasurable for me, but rather I have faith in who God is and his goodness despite what happens to me. I've taken my hands off the control and I fully trust my life in the hands of God. I fully trust my life no matter what happens. Now here's something that's interesting to me. All right, here's something that's interesting to me. <clears throat> this phrase full of grace and power, right? It's how we... It, it, uh, Stephen is introduced in, at the beginning of the story, right? He's introduced in the list. It's full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then he's in this story full of grace and power. Now, if you're not, if you're not paying real close attention, it might seem like grace and power are, are two ends of a certain spectrum, right? This one is, one is soft and passive, grace. And one is strong and assertive, power. But I just don't think that's God's grace, nor is it his power. In fact, I, I think if I'm going to be full of grace, then it requires some power. And if I'm going to be full of power, it's going to require some grace. And, and, and here's what's interesting to me. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit are the, foundation, the foundational internal aspects, character issues that produce a life that's full of grace and full of power. Think about it. Can you have a life that is full of the power of God without being full of the Holy Spirit? No. In fact, that power is a byproduct of being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would argue the same for the other ones. That you cannot walk in the fullness of God's grace unless you're walking in the fullness of God's faith. Let me explain. If faith is, is, is the ability to be able to let go of the control and trust my life in the hands of God. Let's say, let's say my faith tank is, is up to here, okay? Up to this point, this is an elementary example, all right. But my faith, because it's, it's multifaceted, my faith is up to here, right? This is my faith level, okay? But I'm trying to operate with this much grace because I know I'm a good Christian, so I'm gonna really, really try really hard to have grace to this level, Okay? Up to here, my grace level is just fine. But here's where I start, at this point up, is kind of where I start to take control of certain things in my life, right? Where I, I, I'm kind of in control. And now where I'm in control, I'm trying to show grace for other people. You know what? If I'm trying to protect myself and show grace to you, I usually get frustrated after a while. Anybody ever experienced that before? Like I'm trying to operate in more grace than I have faith for. But listen, when your faith is to a level where you say, my hands are off of it, which means I'm gonna walk in obedience and service to God no matter what. Guess what? I can have grace. Guess what? I can, have you guys read the last verse of this? I better just read it for you. Stephen shares the gospel 
explains that they're in a new covenant of relationship with God and they don't want to hear it and they cover their ears and they scream and they drag him out of the city and they stone him. You know what that means? Traditionally, what they tend to do, they'd find something like a dry well or a big pit and then they'd throw him in it. And then they would get rocks and not rocks, they would get boulders, but there's a sweet spot in your boulder size when you're going to stone somebody, okay? You don't want a boulder so big you can't pick it up. You need to be able to get some energy behind it right? And so you want to get, you know, something that you can pick up, but also has the capacity to kill somebody in a blow. So they've got these boulder rocks, and they've thrown them into a pit or something there like that, and they're lifting them up over their head and hurling them down on top of them as much as they can in order to hopefully get a headshot and kill them. And this is what happens. While they were stoning him, chapter 8, Sorry, chapter 7, verse 59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knows he was dying. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, which is a poetic way of saying somebody caught him in the head and kill them on the spot. That that, that phrase sounds like somebody who he may have heard that recently say something very similar, doesn't it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to be honest. Like When you hear Jesus say it, you're like, yeah, but he's God, so right, whatever. But this Stephen most likely would have been there and seen and heard his Savior say those words as he breathed his last on the cross. And he looks up at the faces of those who are killing him for believing in the Jesus that he gave his life for. And he looks him in the face and he says, God, they don't understand. Don't don't hold this against them. Friend, do you know how you get there? I mean, there's some of you right now that you're thinking of some people who've held some stones and taken aim. You're like, yeah, but you don't understand. I don't. But there's something about Stephen's faith. There was something about his grace that when he recognized that his life was not his own. He could trust his life and his death in the hands of God. And you know what? What's Jesus' command is to love people. And so with his dying breath and full of grace, he looks up at his accusers and says, God, don't hold this against him. The only way you get to a level of grace that insane is if your faith is full. Not necessarily believing for the miracle, but simply trusting that God is good even if this next rock kills me. It was this kind of faith Right? It's easy to say, I want to be an influencer. (laughs) 
Really? You know, some of the greatest influencers the world has ever known have been people who've never seen the influence and the impact of the influence that they had. Because they lived lives that pursued serving over influence. Because they were full of the Holy Spirit and the power that he gave. And they are full of faith and the grace that flowed from it. Here's number four, and here's what kind of wraps us all up. Number fourth characteristic of an influencer, they're influenced by the Holy Spirit more than anything else. If you want to be an influencer, you have to recognize, if you want to be an influencer, you have to recognize that you are influenced by things all the time right? We want to pretend, right? We want to pretend that like we're not being influenced by every single thing that ever happens, right? You remember, you know, you, you, or even you talk to kids, you, be careful what you put into you because it's going to affect you. And remember being a teenager and you'd hear old people, you know, old people like yourself now or whatever, you hear old people tell you like, oh, that's going to rot your brains out, kid. And you're like, nah, I don't even listen to the, to the lyrics. You remember that? Teenagers, you'll remember that someday. All right. The thing is, you're going to remember it because it's true. But we get old and we get mature and we think that we're above the influence. We're above the influence of the world. Friends, I would say, you know, Romans 12, 2. We're going to have the keys. Come, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. Romans 12, 2. I love this verse, and I, and I go to it a lot. Do not be conformed by the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I believe that is, is quite possibly harder today than it has been in any other era of human history. And the reason I say that is because we are constantly bombarded with messages that are not in alignment with the kingdom of God. And as much as we just want to pretend that we're not, we can't drive down the street. We can't, we can't turn on our radio or Spotify or whatever it is without being, we can't turn the in computer on. We can't do hardly anything that we do today without taking in influence from the world. The sitcoms that you watch that are harmless, sure they might be, but the, we just, let's not be ignorant. We are being influenced by what comes into us voluntarily or purposefully. So the issue isn't like, let's pretend we're not being influenced by it. As Christians living in today, we just have to have this, this iron will that says, I will intentionally and deliberately live so differently that I make sure that the greatest influence in my life is always the Spirit of God. <laughs> And that sounds preachy and good and great sermony content, but there is a practical application of this. Friends, it is, again, I don't know if I can say it's more important than ever because it's always been like vitally important. Friends, we have got to be a people who know how to be in the presence of God. We have got to be a people who schedule and prioritize time with the Holy Spirit. From the time that we're young, 
to the day that we die, our, our attention and our influence, we're going to be bombarded by influences of the world. And there's almost nothing we can do besides just going being a hermit and living outside of the community. I don't advise that. That'd be one way to do it. The other way is let's put God's word, God's promises, and more than anything, time with the Holy Spirit as a priority in our lives today. We talk about the importance of having a quiet time with the Lord. And yet even as I, I, I preach the message constantly, I, 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 I personally have to continue to get back into, okay, it's not just about the routine, it's about experiencing his presence. I constantly have to come back to, oh, I read my Bible chapters for the day, but did I actually hear his voice? I have to come back to, yeah, I, I did all the things and I said all the things, but have I, have I sat and I listened to the heart of God today? Friends, God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you in, in, in time with him. He wants you to be an influencer in the, in, in the community that he plays you. He wants you to be a servant right where you're at. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with faith. But it doesn't just happen because we want it to happen. It happens when we, when we finally decide that being influenced by the Spirit of God is more important than anything else. And until then, we'll do this wishy-washy back and forth. Do you want it? There's a reason that everybody wants to be an influencer. Yet few ever reach Stephen status. It's because he was never after the status. He just spent time with the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what he then was full of? Faith and the Holy Spirit, which produced grace and power, which meant when he served, things happened, which when things happened, people noticed. And he was one of the greatest influencers the church has ever seen. It's not about chasing influence. It's about chasing the presence of God. And again, I, I, even that kind of statement, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good statement. That's super true. It's so like cliche. Are we going to do it? Are we willing to change our schedules? Are we willing to reevaluate some of our inputs? Are we willing to value the Holy Spirit of God's influence on us so that we could be the appropriate influence on the world. I want to be like Stephen. But the cost is not just dying young. The cost is living different. Let's be a people, let's be a church of influence because we put in to practice the things that we believe. Amen? God, we thank you and we praise you because you are a, a good God, a gracious God. And God, we do want to, we, 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 we want to influence. We want to make disciples. 
We want to see change. God, how are we supposed to influence if you don't influence us first and foremost? So God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with faith that we just might ooze grace and power. God, that we would let go of control of our own lives. God, that we would trust you no matter what. We would walk in the power that you give, attentive to your voice. God, more than anything, would you give us the resolve, the courage to make the necessary changes in the day-to-day to prioritize your voice? God, I just want to be influenced by you. I just want to be influenced by you. God, we, your church, we just want to be influenced by you. So here we are, God. This is just the commitment part. This is just the decision part. Tomorrow's the living it part. Give us courage and grace to walk it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.